0: This episode of the Smashing Podcast is dedicated to the memory of Christopher Schmidt, who sadly passed away last week. A familiar name to many of us over the years as an active contributor to both the web standards and accessibility communities, Christopher, along with his partner Ari, was also a pioneer in conducting online workshops and conferences, which is the subject of this podcast. Christopher was a skilled web practitioner, a generous educator, and a wonderful person to spend time with. His contributions to our industry were numerous and valued, and he will be missed by us all. It's Smashing. In this episode of the Smashing Podcast, we're talking about running online workshops. How can a traditional event adapt when participants can no longer attend in person? We talked to Smashing's Rachel Andrew to find out. But first, did you know that Smashing Magazine publishes a brand new article to the website five days a week? That's a lot to keep up with, but we're here to help.
1: It's your weekly update.
0: In baking structured data into the design process... Frederick O'Brien stresses the importance of building metadata into your design process right from the start. As search engines get more sophisticated, structured metadata plays an increasingly important role in your site's SEO strategy, and perhaps shouldn't be tacked on as an afterthought. Hooray! In the latest of his inspired design decisions series, Andy Clark explains how learning about American graphic designer and typographer Herb Lubalin has transformed his approach to typography on the web. Yeah! Anna Prenzel cracks out the AnimeJS library in How to Create a Particle Trail Animation in JavaScript. Demonstrating how you don't need to get deep in the weeds of a complex 3D library to create engaging effects, Anna shows how AnimeJS can offer an impressive and lightweight solution. In Best Practices with React Hooks, Adené David Abiodin covers the rules of React Hooks and how to effectively start using them in your projects. In the third part of his Django Highlights series, Philip Keeley takes a look at models, admin, and harnessing the relational database. Using a project based on a library inventory system, Philip uses the admin panel to learn about creating models and interacting with relational databases in Django. And that is your weekly update. Find all
1: these and more at smashingmagazine.com slash... Articles.
0: She is editor-in-chief of Smashing Magazine as well as being a web developer, writer, and public speaker. She's the founder of web development consultancy edgeofmyseat.com, responsible for products such as Perch CMS and the slide sharing and public speaking portfolio platform Notice. She's a member of the CSS Working Group, and many will know her for her prolific writing and teaching on modern CSS layout techniques such as CSS Grid. So, we know she's an expert in CSS and in teaching, but did you know she's a recognised authority on carving turnip lanterns? My Smashing friends, please welcome Rachel Andrew. Hi Rachel, how are you? I'm Smashing. So, I could talk to you all day about any number of interesting CSS topics, uh, but you write and you speak so much about these sort of subjects that there's a plentiful supply of resources that people can reference, uh, not least of which being uh, things like your grid-by-example site, or your CSS layout workshop video course. Uh, And of course, there's plenty right here on Smashing Magazine. But what I wanted to talk to you today was something that's almost a byproduct of your expertise, and that you have to end up getting up on stage and communicating what you know with other people. You do an awful lot of speaking at conferences and teaching in-person workshops, don't you?
1: Yes, yeah, I do. I have done for about, I don't know, the last six or seven years. Um, And the last few years, I've spent about half the year on the road, speaking and and yeah and doing workshops uh, in particular for Smashing Magazine I do a bunch of workshops every year for Smashing so that's something I've been doing quite a lot of.
0: So what does the the shape of your year usually look like with conferences and and workshops?
1: Uh, Pretty much I mean spring and autumn particularly I'm generally just on the road Um, you know quite often for three or four weeks at a time going from one thing to the other uh, I, I sort of try and link these things up so I'm not sort of constantly flying back and forth over the Atlantic order, for you? Um, but, yeah, so spending a lot of time, you know, either on stage talking to people about CSS or in workshops and then going to CSS working group meetings and sitting with a bunch of other people who really, really like CSS and talking about CSS. Uh, so that's ma- mainly kind of what I've been doing Um you know, and in between that, actually trying to, well, spending a lot of time writing these talks and workshops <laughs> while I'm not giving them uh, and then then getting back on the road again. So that's been life for yeah several years.
0: As we speak, we're in the thick of the uh, coronavirus pandemic. So this year isn't really shaping up like a typical year for you or for any of us. Uh, so, what's the the situation with your conference season looking like at the moment?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, empty. It's really bizarre looking. You know, looking at my calendar and not having it full of flights and hotel bookings. Um, you know, I've spent quite a lot of time in the last few weeks uh, getting flights refunded and getting vouchers to use for because I had all of my spring travel booked, uh, being organised. Uh, so, uh, it's been really strange to then remove all those things from the calendar and be looking at not going anywhere um it's is very very unusual for me um so yeah it's, it's been it's been quite a shock because it's not happened for so long and you know every year I've thought I'm not going to do so much travel this year and of course the diary fills up and and off you go um, so for this to happen and to happen so dramatically and in a way that I don't actually know when it's going to start again I've got you know I'm looking at things in say two months time and thinking well will i be able to do those uh you know i don't personally have any health issues that you know if it is okay to travel i'd probably feel okay to travel um but i don't know if it's going to be okay to travel i don't know if it's going to be sensible to travel because you might go somewhere and then then cause a lockdown and you get stuck there or get stuck in quarantine so it's very very strange to not have this quite rigid plan which is what i've had for the last few years where everything has been planned around me getting on a plane and going to speak somewhere.
0: And as you say, lots of conferences, probably all conferences and and workshops have been either cancelled or postponed, uh, including the rescheduling of our own Smashing Conf events and the workshops that go alongside that. Um, Now, hopefully we can look forward to rescheduled Smashing Comps later in the year, but the workshops are also going online. Is that right?
1: That's right. Yeah, we've very, very quickly, once we realised we were going to have to postpone San Francisco, uh we obviously we have workshops both myself and vitally run workshops at uh smashing conf and they were they were sold out in san francisco both of our workshops and obviously we have lots of other people who come and run workshops for us uh, people who we've worked with for a long time and and they were finding that all their workshops and, and for those of us who do workshops they're actually a key part of our income um Public speaking, you don't earn a lot of money typically going and public speaking. (laughs) Most people aren't paid a lot, not when you consider the amount of time it takes to write talks and so on. Workshops tend to be quite a nice way for people who are good at teaching this stuff to to earn some money. And so they represent, uh, you know, people's income. And so not only did, you know, myself and Vitaly had lost our workshops um, early this year, we also realised that a lot of our smashing speakers also you know, we were reliant on those workshops. And so we thought, well, why not just take them online? Um, and very, very quickly, really, within days of that happening, we had we decided that me and Vitaly would kind of be the first to stick our heads over the parapet, you know, given it's us. And, you know, we, we could sort of figure out how to do it. And so, and we also have very different workshops. Vitaly is much more kind of collaborative, he has, you know, group activities and things. I teach classroom style. So between us, we thought, well, we're kind of covering all the bases. So that was really, we thought, let, let's just do it. Let's see if it works. Um, so we, we advertised them. We sort of figured out how long did each take. And then we sort of sat down and said, well, what does an online workshop really look like? You know, what is this?
0: I think from a technical perspective, as, as web developers, we immediately think, how on earth are we going to deliver something like that? I mean, there must be lots of different platforms that you looked at. What were the different things you looked at and um, what was Smashing eventually come with?
1: So we've had a look at all sorts of things and we're still kind of in the process of doing that. We're using Zoom at the moment. And the reason we're using Zoom is accessibility. It was the most accessible of the platforms. Uh, obviously we don't want to cut people out uh, because, because of the platform we've chosen. And I think other platforms are getting better and people are care. I think that a lot of platforms have had people come to them and say, yeah, you look great, but you know, we need you to be accessible. And so, so Zoom is is the easiest for people to use at the moment, and so that's why we, we've ended up using them. I don't know whether we will do forever, um, but it, that's that's what we're using at the moment, and it's it's worked pretty well uh, as 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 a way to do this stuff, um, and and it gives us the flexibility we need. Uh, you know, we're able to do kind of breakout sessions for for Vitaly's Workshop and things, um, and and it, yeah, so so platform wise, it seems to work. We didn't really have any major issues across the days and say we, we've run my workshop and Vitaly's workshop now the two that we've actually done. And, and we didn't really have any technical problems as it were. So that's, that's sort of really helpful yeah, because it's always a bit of a worry thing you know, everyone's sat in all these different locations and this has got to work.
0: As you say, you've run two workshops so far and there's an awful lot more scheduled to come up in the future. Mm,
1: yeah, we've, we've got a whole bunch of them. Um, So the, upcoming stuff i'm just having a having a look at the at the list we've got brad frost um doing his design systems we've got um psychology for ux with joe leach advanced css and sass with miriam suzanne Vitaly's doing his smart interface design patterns again i'm doing my css layout masterclass again in june and we've got a front-end accessibility masterclass with marty sutton so those are the ones sort of lined up through uh, until june now
0: it's quite a big undertaking isn't it all those different instructors as it were with different <laughs> yeah different styles of teaching and different requirements from the platform
1: yeah I th- yeah I think so and that's why you know we started with with Vitaly and I because because we have this different way of teaching we thought you know that that would be a good start we could iron out some of the things and and we're going to then write up the stuff that we figured out um is to sort of hand that over to to other instructors because I think we were very keen that they didn't just become it wasn't like, we didn't want it to be a second rate experience. It wasn't like, oh, well, you can't come come and see us in San Francisco. And so this will do. We actually wanted to see, well, how can we make an online workshop a really cool thing? Because actually there's a whole bunch of people who, even if we could all travel around the world, there's a whole bunch of people who can't. There's you know plenty of people who they don't have the budget to fly places or they've got family or they just don't like doing that sort of travel um, or they're concerned about, you know, spending a lot of time in the aer- airplanes and i think actually this is something that that can work very well as a thing and it we've been forced into it to some degree um and we've had to figure out how to do it but I, you know I, it's certainly not a lesser thing um it's a different thing and we're figuring out how to make that happen. But, but it doesn't have to be a kind of second best from an in-person.
0: So what does the experience of attending an online workshop feel like for a participant? Well, obviously, it's going to be very different from the in-person experience.
1: Yeah, well, I think we sort of looked at what people really say they get from coming to an in-person workshop. And a lot of that isn't really just the the teaching. Because all of this stuff, you can get lots of ways. You can read things on Smashing Magazine. You can watch video tutorials. You know, there's lots of ways to get this information. Um, both Fitly and I you know, are incredibly prolific in all this output that, that we do and sharing. Um, but actually what people tend to put on like their feedback forms and stuff from in-person workshops is that you know, they got their questions answered. They were able to spend time talking to the person leading the workshop or, or with each other as well, with the other attendees, and have questions answered. That kind of interactivity was important Uh, and so that was kind of the thing we wanted to bring and so during the workshop there's there's a few ways we're doing that there is a chat in in zoom itself so people can chat while the workshop's going on Uh, so they do that and they introduce each other and talk about where they are and what time it is and you know because we've got people from all over the world Um, so that's going on Uh, both of us had Google Docs open, which anyone could edit. And we tend to do that actually at Smash and Conf anyway. Have these sort of collaborative docs that people, I mean, people do amazing things. They like, you know, completely live blog the entire event and put all the resources in and so on. So we had those and it was really interesting to see the attendees would they would put their questions in there and they would Sometimes help each other out. You know, someone would write a question that I hadn't got to, and someone else would have answered it. And um people were clarifying things and putting links to code pens in. And um, so that was that was really interesting. That there was this kind of collaboration going on while I was teaching, sort of with other people. And I, I know vitally had the same sort of experience. You know, people were helping each other out in in terms of, of sort of making comments and so on. So. I think that that was sort of the thing that it, it did feel like an interaction. It didn't feel like, so I've, I've done a lot of presenting online where you just feel like you shout at your computer for an hour and then go away and you've got no idea if anyone enjoyed it. <laughs> it's like, all right, there we go. I'll go and I'll drink now. Um, but this actually felt like I was with people um, as an instructor and it, and the sort of feedback, you know, people were saying it felt kind of very intimate and that they were, talking to me rather than just having something presented at them um, yeah so that was that was interesting
0: I guess as you say the the danger of uh, running a workshop online is that it just becomes impersonal and the experience becomes more more of a passive one for attendees. Mm. Is there anything you can do in the way that you structure the content uh, that you're actually teaching? Yes. Uh, yeah. or, or the way that you conduct it to encourage people to interact and to participate with the tools that have been provided?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Vithly does a lot more of that because he has more and, uh, you know, some of our other uh, instructors are going to have more kind of group activities. I mean, I, I teach in person very much classroom style. You know, I get uh, my my courses are pretty much a brain dump of here. Here's the stuff I know about CSS. Here it is with lots of examples, and I have people coding with me all day. De- all day when, when we do them, but um, I'm not so much a group activities thing. It's it's kind of hard to do a group activity on. Here's the basics of grid layout. Uh, so I've just found that that teaching classroom style works quite well. Whereas I know that Vitaly actually had people breaking off into groups and doing activities uh, and actually meeting up with some of these people from all over the world who are participating. And so that's really quite fun because um, I, I think people do get a lot from that, from just the meeting other people who do their job. And um, particularly, you know, if you work mostly on your own to actually get chance to do an activity with with other people is quite a nice thing, too.
0: Is there anything special that's been done to give the online events something of the feel of the brand in the same way that you would in an in-person event? I know attending a smashing event, it always feels like a, a smashing event. Uh, there's something of the of the brand that's communicated in in the way that everything's done. Is there anything that can be done online to help communicate that same sort of feel?
1: Uh, I think, and it's it's difficult, but I think part of it is is the attitude that that generally smashing has. You know, this we're very friendly and 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 try and be as approachable and and sort of informal, as it were. Um, you know, so people feel like they're coming to something which is going to be fun and entertaining. You know, I mean things like you know. Vitaly was online before my workshop playing a load of music and and so on you know and just just because that's the sort of thing we do at smashing you know we, sort of, we like to entertain people and and have some fun so i think yeah i think trying to bring some of that that fun that we that we do have at the live events as much as you can um with 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 a virtual thing. I think that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make it feel like a smashing thing as, you know, as much as we can.
0: Of course, you mentioned that there are many people who can't or are unwilling to travel to in-person events anyway. Uh, there must be a lot of advantages, even for those who would normally attend an in-person event. There's got to be advantages to actually attending a workshop from the comfort of your own desk with your own setup around you.
1: I think definitely, I think that is something a few people mentioned that, that it was just nice to be you know, have the whole setup you know because if you're if you're a developer working at home you've probably got you know two screens and you've got your comfortable keyboard and your chair and for i mean particularly for my sort of workshop where people are coding the whole time to actually be able to have you know the presentation on one screen and have your actually you know you code in front of you and not be working on a tiny laptop squashed in with a load of other people you know on, on an uncomfortable chair for the day uh, you know there's there's a lot of benefits to that um you know so i, I, I think you know there are some quite nice things. I mean you obviously don't get all the side stuff. You don't get the being able to go off with your new friends and have a drink and have a chat about it all. And there's things that you do lose by by doing this virtually. But I think there is, you know, an awful lot to be said for it as an experience.
0: One thing that I've seen done quite a lot in the past with online events is to try and create a bit of a sense of community by having local hubs. Even though it's a, a distributed global event, mm. obviously that's not something that we can even do at the moment because <laughs> everybody's confined no. to their own their own home more or less. Um, is there anything else that can be done to create that sense of of community? Do you think is there anything that Smashing has thought about to to try?
1: Um, yeah, I mean it, it's kind of I think it'd be interesting to see where this plays out and whether this becomes a temporary thing or whether that's something that we can, you know, sort of bring just carry on doing i i think that and it would be interesting to see how we can sort of link people up and stuff I made mean, the, that we also have like the slack channel so people chat in there and i think really it's just trying to and we know a lot of friendships are, are made and also kind of you know work relationships are made you know people get new jobs and so on from coming along to things like a smashing conf and it'd be nice to try and encourage that sort of you know that it's not just where we do this and then go away afterwards but that that we can kind of carry on the conversations and so on that people are people are making and and you know uh, there's there's something very nice to be said as well about we had people from all over the world in my workshop and that's that's pretty cool um that you know all those people were, were able to sort of get together and and spend some time learning so so yeah i think i think there's all sorts of possibilities for this i mean we obviously kicked it all off in kind of a bit of a rush like well let's just do it you know and see what happens um but say you know um and myself we we sold out there was a lot of interest and the other tickets are selling really well so there's obviously a, a a need for this and you know whether it is just now or whether it's going to be something that we carry on carry on doing you know sort of see what people think
0: being delivered digitally, there's the fact that uh, a workshop can actually be recorded and then replayed by participants uh, later to go mm-hmm. back over everything they've missed. Yes. Is that something that Smashing is taking advantage of?
1: Yep, they, uh, everyone gets a copy of, of the recording. Um, and also, we'd be nice to kind of add to that. At the moment, we are not, we haven't got live captions going during the workshops. That's something we're hoping to fix. We're hoping to get, be, actually be able to get them captioned in real time. At the moment, we're not doing that, but we are... Getting them transcribed after the event, so when they get the video, they also have a transcript of, of the stuff, which is is great, um, and you know it might help particularly, yeah, you know, if people are struggling with accents or what have you. Um, so, so that that's quite good. And I'd say we we'd like to look at getting them getting them captioned as well, actually, as they go out, you know, with a live captioner, which would then be something that we don't do in person. You know, it's not 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 something that we can easily do. With workshops that we're running live, uh, but actually we can do online. So that would be, I think, a, you know, a really helpful thing, and and hopefully would open it up to more people.
0: You mentioned as a presenter, things are uh, quite different in the in the way that you actually present and you, you teach, where you're just basically shouting at a, a computer and hoping that there's somebody there. Um, I guess it's it's quite different because you're having to take care of all your own technology, your own setup. Uh, everything to make sure that you're in a position ready to present online how does that differ to to how things would go normally if you were going to an event
1: I mean, in some ways it's a li- it's it's easier because i'm 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 quite used to doing stuff online i think it might be harder if you're not well set up for recording stuff and then I, mean, I do quite a lot of video and things so i'm reasonably well set up but also you know we've got our crew we've got people online i think that's actually really important is that it's If you're presenting, the last thing you want to have to do is deal with someone who can't get into Zoom or can't hear the sound or can't, you know, is just having some problem. Uh, So, you know, we have we have other members of the team, just like we do in person, have members of the team to help out if someone's having trouble getting on the Wi-Fi or whatever it is. Uh, With the online workshops, we have people online to keep an eye on the chat, make sure that people aren't struggling uh, and also to alert the presenter if suddenly they drop offline. Or something, you know, uh their sound's gone weird or or whatever it is. I mean, we've actually had no real technical issues um like that. But there's always that thought when you're presenting online, you know, is like, can people hear me? <laughs> Am I just like talking to my screen and nothing's happening out there? Um, so having, you know, having the team online with um, you know, other contact details to be able to get hold of me if if suddenly I, I dropped off that it sort of makes you feel a lot more sort of safe, and that it's okay.
0: Is there anything that you've changed about your setup in your home office to make online presenting easier? What does your <laughs> What does your setup look like there?
1: Yeah, it's getting ridiculous to be honest. It is just an excuse to buy things. Um, so, I mean, for the workshops, I'm coding, so I'm sitting down. When I'm doing more like pre- presentations, I realize that it is just weird to present sitting down, and I don't feel like I can actually do it very well. So, I got a standing desk, um, and so everything I have, in, I've got. Some lighting and bits and pieces, but because everything is bolted to my desk, um, if I want to present standing up, I can just make the desk go up and everything goes with it, and then I can present from my feet. And you know, I did a an online presentation for the BBC recently that was meant to be an offline, in person thing, and got changed. Uh, And it felt so much better being able to move around. Um, And so. I've sort of got it. So I've got my my camera set up so I can move about a bit, and I don't feel like I'm just sort of tied to the spot. Um, and so that sort of thing, I think, is is really useful. Being able to feel natural when you're presenting, and not just that you're sort of slumped in your chair and and talking to a camera. Um, that's and and decent lighting, I think, is really important. I've, you know, I seem to spend an awful lot of time in Zoom calls now, and just just people being being well lit is incredibly helpful. And I think. When you're presenting or doing a workshop, people want to be able to see your face and your expressions and, and and things. And having some decent lighting will help with that.
0: I've seen photos from I think it was Val Head who posted her setup where she had a mm. a, a great big screen and I think a couple of different computers and maybe an iPad or, or something as well. What does what does your technology setup look like there?
1: Um, so I've got I've got two. So I've got my laptop and and then my screen. And because so I have the sort of there's the chat and things going on which I don't. I don't tend to take Q and a during while I'm talking. I tend to do with it at the end, but I can see the chat so I can see if sometimes I'll pick up that someone's having you know's got a very specific issue that I can just deal with at the time and and I might do that. so I've got that kind of going on just in my peripheral vision, but i'm because i'm coding i've I've got the main stuff I'm doing and the screen that's been output to the attendees is my my main screen um, I turn all my notes I do, I, in when I do in-person workshops as well I turn all my notes into an epub. So I can have that on my iPad, um, uh, which is handy because I can jump back and forth with the indexing and, and so on. So I have all the notes and the, you know, stuff to help me remember what I want to do next. Um, but pretty much, and most of it's run as I do in-person workshops. I, I work with a bunch of examples, basically, that we work through and I explain different things. And then then the attendees can take those examples away to help them remember what they did. So I pretty much do the same thing online. Um, I think... What I do probably moves online the the easiest because teaching classroom style is quite an easy thing to, to move online. Um, So I've not changed too much. It's just really making getting comfortable with the setup, so I can sort of I don't have to worry about that while I'm working.
0: Are there any bits of technology that you have in place that you think are, are really useful and really recommended for anyone who's looking to do something similar?
1: I think the lighting and decent mics and decent headsets and mics, so you don't you're not leaking sound out of your ears and um that you know that sort of stuff is is i think important you know um i, li- I like the 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 headset mic um rather than a mic on a stand because i'm writing code i find that if i have a mic on a stand i move away from it back and forth all the time because i'm uh, you know i'm doing things so having the headset mic means i haven't got to sort of get around a, a microphone that's in front of my face um so that's that's what i tend to tend to use Uh, And that sort of works quite well for me. Um, So that's kind of my main thing. I think, you know, yeah, having a decent, you don't have to spend a fortune, but having a good mic and headphones um, and some lighting, I think, makes all the difference.
0: They often say, don't they, that uh, audio quality is more important than video quality when it comes to these things.
1: Yeah, it's it's just painful to listen to if you've got got bad, crackly audio.
0: So. What have you uh, learnt so far in this journey? You say that uh, that you and Vitaly were the um, the sort of guinea pigs for the approach. Are there is there anything sort of key that you that you weren't expecting that uh, you've learnt along the way?
1: Um, I think I was surprised how how sort of intimate it felt and how connected it felt with the people who were attending. I hadn't expected that at all. I'd expected it to be quite impersonal and that you know, we'd sort of try very hard to make it feel personal, but it, it would still be that kind of, Oh, I'm presenting online now. I'm going away. Um, I think having a good set, sort of set amount of time for questions. I I had half an hour for questions at the end of both of my days and you know, we used, we used them. And I then went back to the Google doc and answered some stuff in there afterwards. So I think that really helped because people were able to ask their specific questions. Um, I think the approach of splitting them up into multiple days, I mean, when we do these things in person, they are full-day workshops. And we just figured that a full day for people to sit was a very long time to concentrate. Um, And also it meant that we could put them into a time zone that kind of worked for more people. Because if you've not got to find a full day, um, if you're saying, well, it's like actually it's, it's two or three hours, then more people in different time zones can attend that. So, you know, this workshop was kind of my evening um so it was so then it was like nine AM on the west coast of the States, which meant that people on the um east coast of the States and also people in the UK and stuff could attend. The next one I'm doing is gonna be UK morning, which means that people in Asia and so on and in Australia it's it's not too far out of their day to be able to attend. So that kind of thing works quite well, splitting them up over multiple days. Um and I think is is easier for people because it's it's a long time, a full day listening to someone on a screen, I think you're probably going to start to zone out, no matter how interesting they
0: are. And people have other responsibilities in their jobs, don't they? Uh, the number of times that you see people at, at, at a in-person conference and they have to leave at the lunch break because they're needed in the office because there's things that have to be done. Life doesn't stop just because you've uh, got a day's worth of uh, of training planned.
1: Yeah, and I think I think I think here at, at, in the current situation as well, you know, a lot of people are working from home and are having to, you know, do childcare. Or home educate their kids. Um, so, particularly in the current environment, I think asking both presenters and attendees to be able to block out, you know, two and a half, three hours, is probably a lot easier for people than being able to block out a full day. Because if you've got, if you've got young children at home, um, you know, even if you've got a partner there, you're basically sort of saying, right, you've got to be all locked out of this room for nine hours today. That's that's a lot. So I think actually, you know, having those shorter sessions is for a lot of reasons is is probably a good thing.
0: If other event organisers are thinking about doing the same with their events, they're looking at their schedule ahead, seeing all their in-person events being cancelled and thinking they really need to do something to to keep everything ticking over. What should they be taking into consideration before embarking on moving their uh, events online?
1: Um, I think to realise that it's doable and that people are interested and will pay for this sort of thing. you know, I think getting the tech in place and testing it uh, is important. Having a team to back people up is really important. Um, you know, even if they don't need to do very much, they're just sitting there watching the output. That it's, it, it makes you feel a lot more confident to present and knowing that that's happening. Um, so that I would say is is important. Um, and really just thinking about the ways in which you can make this seem like, not like a kind of second class way of learning. Um, you know, it's a different way of learning, but it's, it, it doesn't need to be a lesser way. And I think that's, you know, rather than sort of being apologetic and saying, Oh, really sorry, we can't do our event, but we're going to do this. Say, no, Hey, this is going to be a really great way for us all to get together and learn something and spend some time with other people, um, you know, <laughs> not just in our own, our own four walls. Um, and it's just a different thing. And I, uh, you know, I think that's, this is quite an exciting thing that we're learning uh, how to do. Um and, and it really I mean it's it's made us all at Smashing feel so much happier because it could have been quite depressing, you know, losing the, the conferences at spring we were all you know, we were a little team and we love spending time together as well. You know, we were all so excited to be going to San Francisco and seeing each other and doing the conference and to so but instead of feeling like we've lost that, we actually feel like we're doing a really great thing and, you know, sharing knowledge with 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 our smashing community. And it's been, it's been really nice. You know, I think it, it feels like we're moving forward.
0: So the smashing online workshops are running throughout April, May and June. Uh, you mentioned some of the, uh, the great speakers who are lined up uh, for those and listeners can find out about those and the rescheduled smashing confs that are coming to a city near you by going to smashing events. So I've been learning about online workshops what have you been learning about lately?
1: Um, I've actually been learning the mandolin. I keep meaning to learn the mandolin and it's been kind of like, well, I mean, I'm, I'm stuck in the house, so it <laughs> might as well. So I've been doing that. That's been that's been good. I'm terrible, absolutely terrible. Um, but it's, it's something nice to be doing. I've also been learning about gardening because I kind of had a mud pit outside and I thought I might try and turn it into some sort of garden. Um, so that's what I've been doing uh, to get away from the computer a little bit. Uh, so I'm not just sat here staring at this uh, all day.
0: If you, dear listener, would like to hear more from Rachel, you can follow her on Twitter, where she's at Rachel Andrew, and find all her writing, speaking, online training, and the excellent CSS Layout News email newsletter linked from her site at rachelandrew.co.uk. Thanks for joining us today, Rachel. Do you have any parting words?
1: Just to say that, you know keep keep on enjoying learning stuff while we're in this weird situation but also don't stress if you're feeling like you really can't do anything today because it is weird um none of us were expecting this this sort of thing to be happening and it's okay to feel not great and not want to learn and not be productive for a while too this is smashing
0: and that was our podcast thank you very much for listening and if you liked it please share it with your friends
1: find us on the web at smashingmagazine.com on twitter at smashingmag smashing magazine on facebook or in the supermarket by the cat food